0: the May edition of Write On Audio, the podcast for writers, readers and all who enjoy books and literature. My name is Tiffany Clare and as usual this month we'll be sharing a range of writing tips and contributions from our listeners. We'll have writing advice from another hugely popular author, Erin Kelly. Our listener contribution is from poet Danny Baxter and our showcase has been picked by Libraries Unlimited. As usual, we'll start the podcast with an inspirational moment. This month, we hear from Andreas Loazu. Andreas describes himself as a business storyteller, working with companies and universities to improve their creative communication. He is founder of the Margate Bookie Literary Festival, which runs each year in early June. This is Andreas' inspirational moment, and it's read by our producer, Chris Gregory.
1: Andreas Loiseau's A to Z of Amazing Storytelling is aimed at business writers and presenters, but many of his suggestions also work brilliantly for writers of fiction. We'll share much more of the A to Z as part of a future set of writing tips. However, for our inspirational moment this month, here's a short selection. Odd is in the details. Can you hear the murderous music that plays whenever a shark attack is imminent in jaws? Do you remember Meg Ryan lustily enjoying her sandwich during the, I'll have what she's having seen in When Harry Met Sally? Great examples from adverts, films and novels are all around us. Think of these as the sprinkles of cinnamon or vanilla that make your coffee magical. Listeners love stories that are crafted with skill and care. These are the elements that guarantee that you and your story are remembered for all the right reasons. A is for authenticity. Authenticity encourages you to show, not tell. You need to display your vulnerability give examples of your failures to make your story real for the audience. B is for beginning. Avoid the storyteller equivalent of clearing your throat in public. You do need to establish your credibility with the audience, but that's very different to boring them with a long introduction. Dive in and they will follow. S is for senses. Good authors plant strong visuals in the audience's brains. Great storytellers appeal to all the senses. Add tastes, smells, and sounds to your story to make it come alive. T is for takeaway. Audiences love to summarize. West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet in 1950s New York. Alien is Jaws in space. Without lecturing or preaching, use your storytelling skills to show your takeaway. Can you provide the audience with a single message, clear and unequivocal, that they could pass on to their friends?
0: Thanks for those inspirational thoughts, Andreas. We'll share more information about Andreas and the Margate Bookie in the show notes for this podcast. Writing advice this month comes from best-selling author Erin Kelly. Erin's debut novel, The Poison Tree, was adapted for television by ITV and she was selected to write the novelised version of the popular TV series, Broadchurch. Here are Erin's writing tips.
2: I'm Erin Kelly, author of Psychological Thrillers, and these are my writing tips. Uh, The first one is that you don't need a qualification to be a writer. There are lots of night schools that you can go to and degree courses. But actually, I think the most important thing that you can have is a library card, because before we were writers, all of us were readers. And it's not just reading, but reading like a writer that will really sharpen your work. So take a book by an author you love, who's doing the kind of thing you want to do and read it. And then reread it. On every page, make notes about why this book is working. So think about the dialogue. Is it snappy or are people talking in long paragraphs? Uh, is it in dialect or is it written in very formal English? And what is the effect of those choices made by the writer? Think about viewpoint. Why is a particular character narrating a particular scene? If there's more than one narrator, have a real think about the information certain characters know and what they can reveal or withhold about the truth from each other as well as the reader. It's even worth just looking at the shape of the page. Is it a very dense text with long, long paragraphs and not much dialogue? Or is it very short and broken up? And how does that contribute to the feel as a reader that you get? Uh, My second tip is more of a set of guidelines, really. Now, we all know that getting feedback on our work is crucial and it's also excruciating. I'm going to give you some guidelines when you're sharing your work with friends and family to make sure that the notes they give you are constructive. When you share with your friends and family, when you show them what you've written, they're not going to be honest because they love you and they don't want to hurt your feelings. So it can be really frustrating to hand over some work and when it's given back somebody just says yeah it's really good I enjoyed it which is nice to hear but is it helpful no you're not going to learn anything and if you're not learning you're not going to get better so I suggest giving them specific questions about whatever you've given them whether it's a poem whether it's a paragraph whether it's something you'd like to be a longer piece of work ask them what their favorite bit was and get them to say why ask them if there's any choices of words they were really impressed with because that enables them to begin with a compliment which will make them feel confident when they later go in to give you the more critical parts of their review and Ask them questions like, when did your attention wander? Is there anything that didn't make sense? Because before you think about pretty words, clarity is always your bedrock goal. Nobody's going to appreciate the craft of your sentences if they don't know what's going on or who's talking or when it's supposed to be. Um, And a really overlooked note that you can ask for is repetition. Now, repetition often occurs not just um, us leaning on the same words that we use time and again, but repetition of information delivered is a big problem for me in my writing because I edit and I chop and I change so much that I will often find I've told the reader the same thing three or four different ways. It's almost like uh, when you're answering a question in an exam and you don't really know the answer, so you just say the same thing but you phrase it slightly differently. Well, that's going to slow the reader down. Readers disengage when you keep telling them something they already know. So if you find that you're saying the same thing over and over again, ask the person reading and giving you notes, where does this piece of information really belong? And then where did I say it best? And see if you can use those two things to make your point once and make it as Beautifully and concisely and effectively as you possibly can.
0: Thank you for those useful tips, Erin. If you'd like to find out more about Erin's work and order her books, you can visit her website at erinkelly.co.uk or follow the link we'll post in our show notes.
3: Subscribing to Write On Audio is easy and will mean that you'll be notified the moment new editions are released. Many podcast apps will deliver new additions directly to your feed. In your favourite podcast app, search for Write On Audio and then look for a button or link that says subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, you need to choose follow to subscribe, just as you would for a musician or band. We'll print more details in the show notes for this podcast, where you will also find links to our contributors and to the online version of Write On magazine. (gasps)
0: Danny Baxter is no stranger to readers of Write On magazine and Write On Extra and listeners of this podcast. Danny is a writer and artist from East London, and we're delighted to share his work in this month's listener contribution. Here's Danny to introduce his showcase.
4: Hi everybody, you're listening to me Danny Baxter on Write On Audio and I've been given an opportunity to share three of my poems all touching on the theme of mind your language, words and how we use them. The first poem I'm going to share with you is one I wrote back in 2019. This poem is a breakdown of what communication is, how it works, what it can be used for and also a challenge to be mindful of how far the reach of its influence can be. Communication I open my mouth and speak words that are carried on vibrations through the air between us and into your ears In the silence you feel my spoken words reverberate around your soul The resonance of meaning being assimilated to memory This is what we call Communication Anything we can feel is chemical But these words penetrate more than our biology. We are dealing with substance that science cannot quantify. Information being fashioned into different forms and passed through sound, gesture, image, cyberspace, even across time. A process so instinctive, but the depth of which we cannot yet fathom. This is what we call communication. I seek to utilise you as a vessel, a medium, to store my words in, to pass my words through, to pass on to your peers and down to your generations, to insert my words into global discussion, to embed my words into the framework of the erection of a new society, not into unread, decaying books, folders or files, not onto corruptible data drives, but into the soul of the community into their collective consciousness to make a contribution that will live on through the ages for my words to be immortal for people to look back to this current point in time and behold the day I made my mark this is where I changed the world through my words through you as you try to do through me. This is what we call communication. The following two poems I wrote for this edition of Right on Audio, which expand on the subject of abuse of communication. The next one is the deconstruction of the behaviour, patterns and tactics of those who fashion communication that is represented as something other than what it actually is in order to facilitate hidden agendas, in order to deceive. Deconstruction of the anti-agenda. Subversion via substitution. Elimination via emulation. Appropriate terms by the reconfiguration of their intrinsic definitions. Subject the meaning to object to the objective. Anything can mean anything whilst there's profit in something. Subvert virtue by virtue signalling over subverted virtues. Wrong supplants right in the quest for a revolution. They fashion rules about breaking rules. Create division to protest against division. Do the things they condemn to condemn the things they condemn. They'll accuse you of what's whataboutery against comparisons exposing their hypocrisy. They will stand on their double standards, saying now is not the time to play semantics with their word games. Identifying as a beacon of hope and truth without the corresponding proof of said hope and truth building on a portfolio of lies that's apparently not for prying eyes, yet all too apparent. They provide a platform for you to express your narration of the script they gave you. They use the championing of the minority as an excuse to persecute the majority alongside the persecution of the minority. Using the establishment to broadcast anti-establishment. Their spotlight of enlightenment never shines in the bigger picture. Worse is the devil you didn't know. They sell you a dystopia by leading you along a path of projected utopias. They'll fight for your freedom to not put a foot wrong. Coveting for a better life, you end up trading for a lesser life. Raise all to the ground and build back better. Better for them. Reorder the old order for a new order that's out of order. No one knowing where this train is going wants to ride to its terminus. But how can one alight at their desired station if the train isn't permitted to stop? People misrepresenting what you have said or done in order to accuse you of promoting something you did not intend so they can dismiss your communication? Is what my third and final poem is about. They want you to speak up, so they can have a reason to silence you. One man does not want to play that game. Do you know what I mean? So the words I spoke aren't the words I meant, it's the words in between the words that spell out my true intent. How deep is your desire to know what I mean? Not much I'd imagine if you're following a current scene. No, it's all about what I could have meant, that connotation. Take what I convey and add the desired manipulation. A platform where such an audience would judge you so, not upon what you wish for them to know, but rather what they could make your words say is a platform from which you should stay away. Though it may be designated as a safe space for your views, this might not be the case. Nor the intricacies of your presentation be treated with care. Before long, you may wish that you didn't share. Say for neutered and whitewashed agreeable professions in place of your personal, authentic, intimate confessions. What is your opinion, this thing or that? Thinking they will glean in no uncertain terms if I am where they're at so they can assess whether I should be given the choice to use this platform to have a voice. I laugh because now I know how my enemies feel, dropping their threats in veiled speech that are difficult to reveal. Politicianing. No, friend, my terms will be purposely uncertain. I will leave you guessing. He who has ears, let him hold dear to the art of listening. So there you have it. I hope you have enjoyed these poems. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Write On Magazine team and Official Paint to Print. Shouts out to everyone who knows me. Take care and be seeing you.
0: Thanks, Danny, for sharing your poems with us the poems you heard were communication, deconstruction, and do you know what I mean? All written and performed by Danny Baxter. Our showcase this month comes from Libraries Unlimited, an organization helping people to access
3: books, literature, and online services based in Exeter. On the third night lying awake on my bed, my naked body tangled in the thin white sheet I used as a blanket, I began to wonder what had happened to Papa's study in the six months since his death. Had the lawyer, who came to find the copies of his will, taken his endless pages of writing too? Did someone, Mama most likely, send old Magdalene in to tidy everything away into drawers? Or, God forbid, onto the fire heap? The night's smothering heat bested me. In less than a minute, I was tiptoeing across lopsided floorboards towards the bathroom, planning to splash water onto my face and wash away any thoughts of my father. The moon was full, and as I admired it through my reflection in the bathroom window, I saw the glint of metal from above the cabinet. I realised the key was hidden up there. Balancing my bare feet on the closed lid of the toilet, I reached over knocking it to the floor with a few flicks of my hand. It clattered, and for a split second I worried about being caught. Then I remembered that the only other light sleeper in my family was Papa, and that no amount of noise in the world could rouse him from his slumber now. My wrist ached by the time I got the lock to move, its untouched mechanism stiff and rusted. The door was heavy as they all were in this house, a good twenty centimetres thick, made from solid wood. Once it was open, I stood very still, staring into the mirror of last summer. His things were just how he'd left them, an organised mess of journals, paper and ballpoint pens on every surface. Papa had never had time for tidying. He said it was pointless that things would just get messy again. The sofa in the corner was unmade, the throws crumpled and the dent his body had made still pressed into the gap between the cushions. I touched the blanket, inhaling him and coughing it out. I loved how Papa smelled. Tobacco, grapefruit and sandalwood. It was bitter now, rotten, because I knew he'd never smell this way again. He didn't exist beyond memories. Oh, Papa, I whispered, feeling somehow closer to him here than I had when I'd seen his body at the funeral. His essence lived in the trinkets he kept on the drawers, in the half-drafted poems screwed up in the bin in the pile of unwashed shirts on the floor. But he didn't live. He was gone. I straightened out the sofa and took the clothes to the bathroom, dumping them in the laundry basket. I wiped all of his little snuff boxes and ornaments and put them neatly on the windowsill. I took the books he had dog-eared and piled them onto a shelf. I swiped the tip of my index finger over the keyboard of his typewriter, until every last letter and punctuation was cleared of dust again. Finally, I sifted through the endless pages of writing, collecting them into a messy bundle I placed on his, now tidied, desk. At Sunday school, they drilled the idea of heaven into us like a drug, as though they could hook us with the promise of eternal life so we'd buy into the rest. I'd never been convinced, though. Papa did not reside in the wind whistling through the crack in the study window or in the creak of the desk legs. He wasn't hiding in the pen pot or folded like an unread letter in the drawer. As far as I was concerned, when you die, that's the end of the line for you. No amount of unspoiled space could bring you back. It was in his writing that I would find him. I was certain. Somewhere in the scribbled down stories that carried in them the innermost workings of his mind, Papa still was. That's why I left them unread, to turn to dust with him between the walls of his self-made sanctuary. Papa didn't talk much, not because he was a shy man, but because he was a reserved one. To invade his psyche now, steal away with parts of him he never intended to be seen by another living soul, seemed wrong in every sense of the word. If Papa had secrets, I didn't want to know them. They were his to keep his to carry to the grave. Suddenly, Papa's study was not his study anymore. It was just another room in a house that I lived in. The door slammed as it shut, but I knew no one would wake. I turned the key, flushed it down the toilet, and went back to bed.
1: How are you? Fine, thanks for asking. So no, I'm not overwhelmed by it all. To be honest, I just can't stop genuine laughter taking over my soul. Life is truly worth living, and I cannot even remember me feeling broken, gloomy, drowning in the water of a glass. Hiding in the shadows of a blade of grass. Just look at me. A smile on two legs. All's good. I'm so happy, I say. While tears stream out of my eyes. From too much laughing, I mean. Exhausted. I sit at the bar all day. Immersed in a bathtub of noise. I joke. I laugh. I cheer with strangers until the street is empty. But to me, the glass is always half full. My life feels pretty sick. How are you? Now read from bottom to top. How are you? Sick. My life feels pretty full. But to me, the glass is always half empty. I joke, I laugh, I cheer with strangers until the street is immersed in a bathtub of noise. I sit at the bar all day, exhausted, or tears stream out of my eyes from too much laughing, I mean. All's good, I'm so happy, I say. Just look at me, a smile on two legs. Hiding in the shadows of a blade of grass. Broken, gloomy, drowning in the water of the glass. I cannot even remember me feeling life is truly worth living and genuine laughter taking over my soul. To be honest, I just can't stop. Overwhelmed by it all. So no. I'm not fine. Thanks for asking.
0: The pieces you heard were a chapter on grief, which is an excerpt from a forthcoming novel by Rue Ronan, read by Sally Walker Taylor, and How Are You by Filippo Rossi, read by Chris Gregory. Find out much more about Libraries Unlimited and the services they offer by visiting their website librariesunlimited.org.uk. There'll be a link in our show notes.
3: You're listening to Write On Audio, for writers everywhere.
0: Coming up on Write On Audio, from next month, we'll be experimenting with a new format for the podcast. We'll be moving to a weekly format with shorter, topic-based editions loosely based on our current set of features. Subscribe now in your favourite podcast app to have the podcast delivered to you as they're released. Subscribers can look forward to an interview with Patrice Lawrence, a showcase by London Library inspirational moments from Bernie Morgan and our usual combination of pieces featuring well-known writers and contributions from you, our listeners. Thanks for listening to the May edition of Write on Audio. This podcast has been presented by me, Tiffany Clare, and produced by Chris Gregory. Write on Audio is an alternative stories production for pen to print.